0: Welcome back to The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. My name is Sonny Bunch. I'm culture editor at The Bulwark. And I'm very pleased to be rejoined today by Ryan Fonder. Now, Ryan uh, is at the Los Angeles Times. Um, uh, what's the name of your newsletter, Ryan? It's called The Wide Shot. The Wide it Shot comes out every Tuesday. Wide Shot comes out every Tuesday. Uh, I read it's it every free. Tuesday. It's great. Uh, sign up for it. Um, and uh, I, I love having Ryan on because uh, you know it's always it's always good to get somebody uh, who's, who's out in LA on the show. You know. Uh, be, be, being based here in Dallas, it makes things hard sometimes to really see what's going on right, on the you ground. Have to talk
1: to us people. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so let's talk. All right. So the big news this week uh, is probably the Netflix earnings call. I mean, there's other news going. We got a lot of stuff to talk sure. about this week, but uh, the, the the Netflix earnings call seems to be the big thing. And I'll be honest, when I saw the headlines, I thought, "Oh, this is good news for Netflix." Netflix says they they added five point nine million new subscribers. Uh, you know, their, their, uh, revenue is, is stable. They're, they're actually like slightly more profitable now. Um, uh, but the market did not seem to respond in kind. Uh, what did I, what did I miss in the, um, uh, the, the, the reaction, or what should I have expected from the reaction to the numbers here?
1: Yeah, I mean, Wall Street reactions are always uh, a little bit of a puzzle, or sometimes a little bit of a puzzle, sometimes it's not all that obvious. But this time, it looked like you know, there was a little bit of softness in the revenue growth. So despite adding well, I mean, almost 6 million new subscribers globally uh, for Netflix during the second quarter, their revenue was just a tad under uh, Wall Street estimates going into the earnings report. So I think But you're seeing there seem to be like, okay, there's a lot more subscribers coming on because, you know, partly because of the uh, password sharing crackdown. That didn't necessarily translate into a ton of new revenue yet. I mean, definitely, definitely a bump, but not not maybe as much as uh, some people were were hoping for.
0: Well, it's it's interesting because, I mean, if you look at the uh, the what the the figure uh, that, you know, folks like to focus on here, the ARPU, the average revenue per user. Netflix has a different name for it. Average revenue per member or something like that. Something Um, like that. Yeah. yeah. But it all Uh,
1: means the same thing.
0: All means the same thing. Uh, What you saw was more again, more subscribers, but a lower ARPU for uh, basically the static earnings, which uh, I mean, I guess is kind of surprising, but also makes some sense since what, you know, it's kind of isn't this more or less what people expected to happen when they uh, when they started crack down the crackdown on password sharing?
1: Yeah, and also when they added the ad sharing or the ad supported tier, because you know, the ad supported tier, you have a you have a lower uh, monthly fee, but you also have uh, advertising revenue coming in. So maybe re- Netflix's ad revenue hasn't quite caught up to. It might be missing out on from the lower uh, monthly fees. Uh, it's also worth noting that. Um, Netflix has ditched its basic plan. Now it's basic without ads. Uh, it's basic, uh, ad-free plan, which I believe is like nine ninety-nine a month or something. Like that. Yeah, uh, I for mean, new it, members, uh, for mo- new members and returning members. If you're still, if you're already signed on to that, you can keep playing for it, paying for it. for it,
0: but yeah. yeah, I mean that really was one of uh, I, I, I've talked about this before on other shows, but it really is a, a fantastic deal that is kind of subsidized by a lot of free money and other stuff that I don't know that they they have the wherewithal for anymore which is this this basic ad-free $10 a month plan so many movies so many new shows um it it made some sense but you know I I was reading uh I was reading that the average revenue per user uh for the ad supported plan once you in, in so there's the you know 7 7 bucks a month per month or whatever but also the advertising revenue Came out to something like fifteen dollars a month, sixteen dollars a month. It's crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is about you know it's what you would hope for. It's it's in in some cases we've seen that with other companies too, where their ARPU actually increases from having the advertising at the lower uh, subscription tier. So uh, clearly uh, Netflix is succeeding in getting more people in the door uh, or getting more people to come back, and certainly the 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 great news for Netflix is that there wasn't a whole lot of cancellations when they started cracking down on the password. That was, that was definitely a risk because you, know, you hear all these people online saying, how dare they uh, not allow me to share my password with my uh, ex-girlfriend uh, who I haven't lived with in, in three years um, or, or share or share it with my in-laws or, or whatever. Um, shout out to the in-laws out there. But the uh, I mean, there just wasn't a lot of cancellations. You just didn't didn't really see that. That's what they said in their uh, shareholder letter.
0: The lesson, as always, is the Internet is not real life. Don't listen to people on Twitter ever.
1: How so. dare you burst my <laughs> Barbenheimer bubble. Internet is absolutely real life.
0: We will we'll get we'll one get case that. only. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, all yeah. right. So this because I, I am I am actually really I am fascinated and in, like intellectually and ideologically uh, obsessed with the, the, uh, the argument that folks were making that like, oh, this is actually bad, but it's bad business for Netflix to cut off freeloaders because reasons. And I could never figure out what the reasons were. I can, what is the argument for saying, well, if we're not, we're not, if, if you, if you, uh, a freeloader say, I am not going to pay for, a subscription, so I'm just going to steal the thing for free. How is that? Why? Why on earth would Netflix care? Either way, it's zero dollars in revenue. That doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, it seems like it's kind of an offshoot of that old internet idea of information just wants to be free, content wants to be free. You know, it's is the whole thing. It's sort of a 20 year old idea uh, at this point, um, but it was bad business. It's a terrible idea, and Netflix was happy, I think, for a while to. Uh, just have people just get addicted just get on get on that joint like just just getting the getting some content for free sure you know, share it with your with your in-law share it with your your neighbor uh, that's just gonna get people addicted to uh, netflix stuff but at some at a certain point like it's the classic it's a classic idea of you get everybody in the door you get everybody loving your content and then you jack up the price or then you force people to pay eight dollars a month or something like that. So this is probably the least surprising move that Netflix ever could have made.
0: Yeah, I mean, content, uh, content does not want to be free, but content does seem to want to be ad supported. I, I Again, the thing the the number that jumps out at me the most is the average revenue per user of 15 or 16 bucks a month for the ad supported tier, uh, which is frankly higher than I thought it would be. I, I did not. I, I was I was a little surprised. Um, by that, uh, this, the, the ad tiers do seem to be kind of the future of the streaming model, right?
1: Yeah. They're the, are they're the present
0: they're, uh, there's,
1: there's certainly what's happening right now. Um, and I'm sure as, uh, as, as Netflix goes, so goes the rest of the industry and they've already, you know, they've already done it with, um, with Disney plus and HBO max now max, sorry, old habits. But uh, everyone, everyone seems to have a ad-supported tier now.
0: Ads. That's what. That's that's how they get you. The ads. Uh, All right. So let's talk. uh, Let's let's shift gears slightly here from streaming to theatrical. Big weekend in the theaters uh, this week. We've we've got a huge opening for Barbie. Um, and a. a, I mean, I, I. I am I am shocked by some of the numbers we're seeing coming in, but also a huge weekend for Oppenheimer, and then I, it looks like we're going to have another huge weekend for Sound of Freedom, the independent film from Angel Studios uh, about child trafficking. It looks like you know, I, I assuming that we don't see um, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One fall completely off a cliff, that movie will probably make another twenty million bucks this weekend. I like I can't remember the last time we had uh, four movies. With, Prime to make more than twenty million bucks in the same weekend it's it's crazy
1: yeah, and it's funny because it, this has become a cultural moment just because there are more, there's more than one movie uh, in a theater at the same time and it's there are two really big movies that are brand new and targeting a pretty different audience, but this used to be basically every summer weekend at the at the box office like uh, i can't remember I saw a, what was that article what opened like against the dark night mamma mia yeah mamma mia this is i mean this is a perfect example of how you know, this industry used to work like counter programming that's it's not a new idea but it is hilarious that it's just been memed uh to death uh just with, with all the t-shirts and everything
0: uh, so what are we, what what are the ind- first indications looking at? This is going to, we're, we're taping this on Friday, just pulling back the curtain slightly. We're taping this on Friday, so we have some idea of what the the box office weekend is going to look like. Um, I mean, my my sense from the, I, I, uh, I had 30 minutes to kill yesterday, so I popped into an Alamo draft house and just sat at the bar and had uh, a drink. And while I was sitting there, I saw no fewer than three different giant groups of women clad all in pink come in to take photos in front of the Barbie standee, which led me to instantly understand that this movie is going to make, I don't know, $150 million this weekend.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not, out, it's not out of the question. The 22, I think it was $22 million from Thursday previews. I mean, that's like Marvel movie territory, mm-hmm. right? Um, so easily, easily above a hundred million. Um, definitely looking at 120. I mean, maybe it's front-loaded. I don't know. It seems like the audience response is going to be is going to be pretty strong here. So I don't know. When I saw when I first saw the predictions of hundred forty, hundred and forty million, I thought that's maybe a little irresponsible considering the the wackiness we've seen with uh, audience tracking lately. But we'll see. It's, it's, it could do it. do it.
0: Do we? Are we? We are still in kind of a weird place for audience tracking, right? Because I do feel like we mm-hmm. get a lot of uh, uh, projections that either overshoot or undershoot by eight figures uh like on a on a fairly regular basis. And I you know, look, that's always been part of the part of the box office game, right? It's always been kind of a guessing game, but I do feel like things have gotten especially wonky since the pandemic uh trying to figure out the behavior of audiences.
1: Yeah, and the comps are kind of off too. And I I pointed this out a number of times, but a lot of the stuff that you've seen come out uh recently kind of underperformed tracking. It's all kind of targeting the same audience. You got Mission Impossible, uh, which is a good film, targeting adult men, um, you know, open slightly below tracking. And uh, Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny definitely coming in on the light side, uh, especially relative to his budget. Similar audience there. Uh, And then before that, you had The Flash, Transformers Rise of the Beast. It was just like a lot of kind of male-oriented things. So it's really not surprising at all that if you have a movie that is uh is primarily for women young women but like definitely across the board looks like it's going to take off with a lot of demos and you just market the hell out of it like no kidding it's going to it's going to do huge business
0: what do you do you uh is, I, you know i was just talking about how the internet is not real life the internet is is not real and i i do believe that mostly but i do think that there is a a modest meme factor going on with, especially the Barbie stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I do feel like the the opportunity to play dress up and go out and have a nice time with your lady friends. Uh, you know, it's not that that's not how I roll, but I'm not I'm not a, you know, woman between the age of 20 and 50. So like I, I'm not you know, the target demo here um, that that does it does seem to be playing a real role in driving uh, audiences to theaters, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it really seems so. I mean, I, I you, you see all the talk about people signing up for double features. AMC put out a press release saying that 20,000 of its uh, Stubbs members had already purchased uh, advanced tickets for double features. And that was last week. Uh, NATO is really uh, the National Association of Theater Owners, not that other NATO, is really uh, interested in this phenomenon. and. Yeah, the double features probably represent a relatively small portion of the box office if you do the math, but it does contribute to the sense of like, there is something going on here and people are talking about it. Me just kind of hanging out just last night, just got a glass of wine with, with my wife. Um, in, in the evening, you know, one of my friends' Wi-Fi was talking about how they had just figured out their Barbenheimer plan for the weekend. So that's definitely a thing. Definitely a thing.
0: I it's been a while since the the experience of going to a movie theater was this kind of big cultural event. And I don't mean I I kind of exclude the Marvel stuff from this because the Marvel movies are doing a very specific thing, um, you know, kind of kind of unto themselves. I, I just mean the idea of like we're going to the movie. We're making it a. We're making a point of going to the movies. We're gonna find the best presentation of Oppenheimer that we can find. You know, I'm trying to track down a 15 uh, 70 IMAX screen. There's only 19 of them in the country. You know, where am I gonna go see? Like, it's actually really. uh it's heartening, uh, in a way, and like I, I frankly, uh, a real. I think. Suggestion to Hollywood that like people are tired of a lot of seeing the same old thing over and over again. We got two original movies out this week. They're about to do huge, huge business.
1: Yeah, I mean, original and designed for that big screen experience, too. I mean, Nolan is is not to beat a dead horse about the, the Nolan thing, but I mean all the talk about like you gotta see it in IMAX or seventy millimeter or IMAX seventy millimeter, whichever your choice may be. I mean there's only a few presentations of that. David Pollen tweets something that the Chinese theater was trying to add screenings at like six o'clock in the morning, which is two
0: thirty in the morning. I saw a two thirty in the morning showing.
1: And I'm sure they'll be packed. I mean this is this this is LA. This is a you know movies this is a movie town. No question about it, but that is—that's pretty extraordinary uh, to see to see people just kind of. You know, we don't have lines out the door anymore because of advanced ticket sales, but like that kind of need to see this weekend in the in the craziest format possible.
0: Yeah. Somebody sent me a uh, a press release. There's a Cinemark near me that has the the uh, IMAX 70 millimeter, you know, again, one of the 19 theaters in the country or, or in the world or whatever that that has that system. And they were adding, you know, 630 a.m. showings. And this is I mean, this is in Dallas. It's not Los Angeles or Manhattan. Yeah. Um, yeah Dallas is a pretty good movie going town, but it's not it's not that good. And uh, it's wild, wild stuff. I mean, the numbers for for. Oppenheimer are crazy. I'm seeing. I'm seeing again estimates of in the sixty to seventy million dollar range this weekend, which would be huge. I, yeah, like I mean, I,
1: massive for a movie I mean, like this for a three hour historical drama. A lot of it's in black and white. Uh, yeah. It's not a really not not a lot of huge stars. I mean, Matt Damon is it, but like, yeah, it's yeah.
0: not. Well, it's got it's got Damon and Robert Downey Jr., but they're not the leads. They're not the no. they're not the guy who's on the poster. Uh, Killian Murphy is. And like I, I, I mean, I again, it's, uh, you know, that would be if it opened to sixty million dollars. That's fifty percent better than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did, which is a crazy idea, just you know, for a for a movie like this.
1: It also uh, just speaks to like with certain directors, you know, we talk about brands and IP and everything else, kind of outweighing everything, uh, the, the the star power and the quality of the movie and everything, but. there are certain directors, filmmakers whose movies are events. Nolan's one of them. Tarantino's definitely one of them. Um, It's just, it's having something, having something new and something exciting that people are talking about. You know, it's, it's, it's that experience. It's the, the idea that your teeth are going to be shattered by sitting through the, the the explosions or what, and and whatnot. (laughs) (laughs) it is i don't know it's, yeah it's it's wild it's,
0: yeah and then, yeah and then there is there is another story at the box office uh the last couple of weeks here we've got sound of freedom which again is is an interesting very strong word of mouth um uh hit uh you know i i uh i went to go see it in a theater this week because i figured i should i uh, have some idea what people are talking about since it's uh so mm-hmm. popular and uh i want to i want to set the scene here for folks who don't know who don't know about this so at the end of the movie, uh, Jim Caviezel comes on the screen and he does a thank you for coming to the movie theater speech, you know, of the sort we've seen a lot of in front of movies. Right. We see it. You saw it in front of Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, uh, the the Dungeons and Dragons movie. The cast is there saying, thanks for coming to the theaters. This is how you should see movies, how they're meant to be seen. Uh, but it, this this came at the end of Sound of Freedom. Um, and it's Jim Caviezel on the screen. He said, thank you for coming. This is the best way to see a movie in, you know, uh, in a in a in a large room with other people. Uh, we're all, we're all here together. Uh, we don't want anyone to not be able to see this movie because they can't afford it. So we're going to give you a chance to pay it forward. Uh, QR code's going to come on the screen. And if you feel so inclined, you want to help somebody who, who can't afford to see the movie, come see it, scan the code, buy a ticket. We'll get it to them. And I swear to God, hand to God. I saw a woman who was, who was exiting the theater, turn around when he started talking, watch him. When the QR code came up, she pulled out her phone, scanned it. And as best as I could tell from two or three rows back, bought a ticket. I, I've never seen anything like that before in a theater. Um, it's, it's absolutely wild. Uh, yeah. Uh, is there, is there, is there any chatter about this sort of the surprise or, uh, you know, what, what do people make of it?
1: I mean, it is the biggest other than the Barbenheimer stuff. It is the biggest story at the box office right now. Um, and I think a lot of people, are sort of baffled by it in, in a way, um, and sort of trying to figure out this, like explain away the phenomenon a little bit. And I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions about how much of the box office is this kind of pay it forward dynamic, uh, you know, there's with, with movies that are faith-based or faith-based adjacent, uh, there's the whole group buying phenomenon where people will buy out a whole theater for people to see it. So, I'm sure there's some of that. But it does seem like it's an organic thing in a lot, in a lot of ways. Like there is definitely a lot of word of mouth here. There's kind of an underserved audience element to it. Um, And, but I, I, but I can't dismiss it. You know, we we can't dismiss it as just kind of a, as one of these sort of cause type of films because, you know, just the, the week it came out that Monday, just anecdotally, Like my son's um, my 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 son's nanny came in the house, and the first thing she started talking about was that she had seen this movie called Sound of Freedom. And like, what is this? Um, and was very moved by it. So there definitely seems to be a real groundswell here.
0: Yeah, totally. I I mean, again, I've never seen anything like it in the theater. Yeah, people literally people literally buying tickets for strangers to go see this movie that they were um so moved by, which is uh you know. Again, it's a, it's a testament to the power of theaters. Uh, mm. Let's see. All right, so what else is going on? Speaking of theaters, uh, we've got strike news here. Um, uh, the studios are starting uh, to pull releases. Uh, just before we started talking, uh, A24 announced that they are pushing pushing back the release date of Problemista, which is, was going to be one of their uh, September, October um, uh, award season uh type films, or I think maybe August. I can't remember when it's going to come out. Point is, they're pushing it back. Um, the uh, mm-hmm. Luca Guadagnino uh, film, um, uh, Challengers, is getting pushed back. The, uh, the uh, AKA the Zendaya tennis threesome movie getting getting pushed back. Um, uh, and Warner Brothers is now kind of hinting, uh, well, we might have to push back Dune 2, you know, if the, if the people aren't here to promote it. Uh, what does, what does the rest of the year look like in terms of release strategy? Are we going to see, uh, an empty September, October, November, December again, like we have the last couple of years, just because studios are too afraid to put things out without promotion.
1: I don't know about empty, but you're definitely going to see some stuff shuffle mean, you need, especially with movies that aren't very IP driven or don't have a brand or don't have a, a sequel sort of. Fueling its interests, like you need Zendaya walking the red carpet. You need like pretty people talking to the press and posing for photographs and doing TV spots and and all of that. You know, especially especially for s- smaller films, it's it's really essential to the pu- publicity machine. So it's not it's not surprising at all that things are starting to, to move, especially on the indie front. Um, I do think it sort of speaks to this issue that. Um, I've been pushing back on a lot which is that people saying this sort of Wall Street brain of like actually the studios are happy about the strike because they're able to save money on production because they're, they're able to, to cut out all their writer deals and there may be some truth to that but the fact is that this strike is really, really going to hurt everybody in the industry like the studios um like stuff's just not getting done and studios like can cut revenue or cut costs all they want but they have to bring in revenue and theaters are a huge way As absolutely seen they're an essential part of the equation for uh for legacy media companies to uh, build the profits
0: well i mean i, I the the people i feel you know, worst for the, the the folks who are stuck in the middle here, you've got your theater employees and theater owners who are looking at essentially the second, a second COVID like shutdown uh, in in movie releases, not quite as stark, perhaps, but still pretty, pretty bad. Um, You're looking at, uh, you know, folks and folks in supporting industries. You know, the I have a friend who does closed captions and he's like, we're maybe going to get laid off like I because yeah. we don't have we don't have movies to close caption. Uh, I like I, I think it's I, I mean, you know, I understand that that labor discussions are difficult and everybody wants to get everything. And, you know, the the studios don't want to give up precedent setting deals and all that. But uh, after having just lived through uh, an, un, an unexpected disaster in the form of COVID, it really feels like we're rushing towards another self-inflicted one.
1: Yeah, I mean we saw Barry Diller saying that basically it's gonna it's gonna destroy the business um for, for, for and have a lot of long term ripple effects. Um the when you talk to people who are below the line crew workers and IATSE, um you know, just writing a big story about this now actually, uh, that I'll publish soon, is that the um is that Generally, when you talk to hairdressers and set designers, they are definitely supportive of striking the writers and the and the actors and what they're demanding. They're all facing the same problems. Uh, on the flip side, like, they are hurting. Like they are having to go to the act, actors fund or these various funds that um, that that support people who are out of work for a long time in the business. Like it's not easy to live in someplace like Los Angeles and not work for six months, unless your parents are rich. And that's like a whole other issue with, uh, entertainment entertainment access and diversity and the whole thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy out there. I mean, to the extent that now, uh, there was a big story this week, um, uh, about universal, literally cutting, cutting down uh, tree shade to To you know burn the burn the protesters out bro- burn the burn the uh the picketeers out. what was that all about
1: so there's no real way to know <laughs> the uh, <laughs> intentionality i this feels silly to even say it out loud but uh, but uh it, it's 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 it was kind of the most l a thing to happen. you had a ninety degree plus heat wave uh during the summer sun's blazing down. And people are going on strike, and it's the it's it's the universal corner, like where where that picket's happening, is one of the hottest uh, one of the hottest places that you could picket um, in in L.A. So the fact that this tree cover came down it became kind of a meme. It became kind of a a point of of controversy, and people actually came out and picket lines. Like I saw one woman come out. Wearing like a wearing like a a, 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 a t- kind of a tree crown on her head with a sign that said "Never Forget," um, and it was just it just became this whole thing. And the city controller said they were going to investigate it because um, apparently there the, the, the who, whoever was responsible for trimming the trees hadn't taken out permits for that location in like three years. Um, Universal says it was all just a. Big misunderstanding. They do annual tree trimming um, to sort of avoid the safety problems when the winds come through. So I guess so that the the, the tree branches don't get knocked down and destroy cars and stuff. But uh, man, the timing of that it, it could, couldn't have been couldn't have been worse. Couldn't have looked worse. <laughs> yeah.
0: And Universal, I, I think I saw that Universal did actually set up tents. They out, did uh, outside. They were like, ah, we we messed up. We met, we went a little too far this time.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we messed up trying to burn out the uh, the the, <laughs> the protesters, but uh, you know, and so the so the WJA was able to declare victory at least on that one. Yeah.
0: What do you? I just as a as an outside or as an on the ground but outside observer, what what do you what do you think the odds are of this getting settled anytime here in the next uh, few months? I mean, I I get the sense we're in for a long shutdown.
1: The thing, the word I keep hearing is December. Whereas I, you know, you asked me a few weeks ago, the word I was hearing then was November. So we just keep getting pushed back four weeks at a time, I guess. I, I, I don't know. But like if this goes on through the holidays, it's, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a big problem.
0: Yeah. It's not uh, not not ideal. Uh, all right. Uh, as you as you know, I like to close these interviews by asking if there's anything I should have asked. Do you think there's anything folks should know uh, about uh, what's going on in the world of? Uh, the business of showbiz. What's what's up?
1: God, you know, you ask me this question every time, so I should probably be more prepared for it. <laughs> I don't have anything right now. I'm trying to. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's fine. It's I mean, fine. I mean, I guess you guys all? talked about the. Uh, you guys talked about the the Bob Iger stuff and all all that.
0: We can should talk, talk about Bob Iger. What's going What's going on? Yeah. So Disney is looking to to possibly sell off portions of the Empire. Bob Iger's in spin-off mode. What's what's happening there?
1: Well I, what I what I what I think what I was thinking about most recently was this you know idea of who's gonna play the leadership role in the strike situation. Like in the past you had sort of like the Lou Wasserman type of elder statesman that would come through and uh, bring the sides together uh, during a strike and hammer a ideal. And you know, even five three years ago, you would assume that person would be Bob Iger, but he kind of stepped in it in that CNBC interview where he talked about uh, how the the writers' demands were were unrealistic or you know, not realistic. He said technically, but uh, but yeah, he's kind he's kind of in hot water over over that and having to do a little damage control. So it can't be him right away. Um, he could still totally swoop in. You know, once things kind of tamp down a little bit in terms of the rhetoric, but now it's like, okay, is, is, is Netflix going to be leading the way in terms of determining when this ends? Because um, right now they're doing, you know, like everybody, they're hurting from the strike, but they're the ones whose stock price is, is, is still climbing. So, I don't know. That's kind of my big question.
0: Is there any? I, I know this is uh, this is something that the 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 folks on the side of the the actors and the writers are constantly asking, and it seems like the answer is always no. But is there any chance of splitting off the AMPTP into smaller, uh, you know, picking off uh, Warner Brothers or something like that, and making a deal with them, uh, or or does it look like the producers and the studios are going to stick together throughout?
1: Well, for now, it's a united front, of course, but. Uh... You know, I mean, it would be a very extreme circumstance to have you know, Netflix break off and be like, "Actually, here's everything you want, uh, writers and yeah. uh, actors, and we can resume business without the without the rest of the studios." I mean, that's a thing that has been floated that could could potentially happen. Um, I'm not hearing any like actual rumblings of that happening yet. But, yeah, uh, that would. Yeah, be, it definitely be seems story, to be a I lot think.
0: of wish casting from. What yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of like, well, this would be great if this did happen, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't see the, I don't see the studios, uh, you know, cracking on that front.
1: No, no, not anytime soon, anyway. Maybe if it goes into next summer, that would be, that would
0: be something to think <laughs> about. Right, if it goes into next summer, we might as well just shut Hollywood down. forever <laughs> I like, I, I just don't understand uh, how how everyone would survive. Um, All right. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks again for being on the show. Always love having you on Uh, author of the wide shot newsletter at the Los Angeles Times, uh, free newsletter. Go sign up for it. It's great. I'll have a link to it in the email. Uh, Ryan, thanks for being on the show.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Sonny. Uh, uh,
0: Again, I again, My name is Sonny Bunch. I'm culture editor at the Bulwark and I will be back next week with another episode of the Bulwark goes to Hollywood. We'll see you guys.